0: Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. The Life and Achievements of Don Quixote de la Mancha is a Spanish epic novel by Miguel de Cervantes. Originally published in two parts, in 1605 and 1615, its full title is The Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha*. A founding work of Western literature, it is often labeled as the first modern novel and one of the greatest works ever written. Don Quixote is also one of the most translated books in the world. If you enjoy our program, Chapter 87 How adventures crowded so thick on Don Quixote that they trod upon one another's heels. Don Quixote thought it now time to leave the idle life he had led in the castle, believing it a mighty fault thus to shut himself up and indulge his appetite among the tempting varieties of dainties and delights which the Lord and Lady of the Place provided for his entertainment as a knight-errant. Accordingly, one day he acquainted the Duke and Duchess with his sentiments and begged their leave to depart. They both seemed very unwilling to part with him, but yet at last yielded to his entreaties. The Duchess gave Sancho his wife's letters, which he could not hear read without weeping. Who would have thought, cried he? that all the mighty hopes with which my wife swelled herself up at the news of my preferment should come to this at last, and how I should be reduced again to trot after my master Don Quixote de la Mancha in search of hunger and broken bones. However, I am glad to see my Teresa was like herself in sending the Duchess the acorns, which if she had not done, she had shewed herself ungrateful, and I should never have forgiven her. My comfort is that no man can say the present was a bribe, for I had my government before she sent it, and it is fit those who have a kindness done them should shew themselves grateful, though it be with a small matter. Don Quixote, having taken his solemn leave of the Duke and Duchess overnight, left his apartment the next morning and appeared in his armor in the courtyard the galleries all round about being filled at the same time with the people of the house. The Duke and Duchess being also there to see him. Sancho was upon his dapple, with his cloak bag, his wallet, and his provision, very brisk and cheerful, for the steward that acted the part of Trifaldi had given him a purse, with two hundred crowns in gold, to defray expenses. Don Quixote no sooner breathed the air in the open field, than he fancied himself in his own element. He felt the spirit of knight reviving in his breast, and turning to Sancho, Liberty, said he, friend Sancho, is one of the most valuable blessings that heaven has bestowed upon mankind. Not all the treasures concealed in the bowels of the earth, nor those in the bosom of the sea, can be compared with it. For Liberty a man may, nay ought, to hazard even his life as well as for honor, accounting captivity the greatest misery he can endure. I tell thee this, my Sancho, because thou wert a witness of the good cheer and plenty which we met within the castle. Yet, in the midst of those delicious feasts, among those tempting dishes, and those liquors cooled with snow, methought I suffered the extremity of hunger because I did not enjoy them with that freedom as if they had been my own. For the obligations that lie upon us to make suitable returns for kindnesses received are ties that will not let a generous mind be free. Happy the man whom heaven has blessed with bread, for which he is obliged to thank kind heaven alone. For all these fine words, quoth Sancho, it is not proper for us to be unthankful for two good hundred crowns in gold, which the duke's steward gave me in a little purse, which I have here and cherish in my bosom as a relic against necessity and a comforting cordial next my heart against all accidents, for we are not like always to meet with castles where we shall be made much of. As the knight and squire went on discoursing of this and other matters, they had not ridden much more than a league ere they espied about a dozen men who looked like country fellows sitting at their victuals with their cloaks under them on the green grass in the middle of a meadow. Near them they saw several white cloths or sheets spread out and laid close to one another that seemed to cover something. Don Quixote rode up to the people and after he had civilly saluted them, asked what they had got under that linen. Sir, answered one of the company, they are some carved images that are to be set up at an altar we are erecting in our town. We cover them lest they should be sullied and carry them on our shoulders for fear they should be broken. If you please, said Don Quixote, I should be glad to see them. for considering the care you take of them, they should be pieces of value. I marry are they, Quoth another, or else we are mistaken, for there is never an image among them that does not stand us more than fifty ducats, and that you may know I am no liar, do but stay, and you shall see with your own eyes. With that, he took off the cover from one of the figures that happened to be St. George on horseback and under his feet a serpent coiled up, his throat transfixed with a lance, with the fierceness that is commonly represented in the piece, and all, as they used to say, spick and span new, and shining like beaten gold. Don Quixote having seen the image, this, said he, was one of the best knights errant the church militant ever had, his name was Don St. George, and he was an extraordinary protector of damsels. What is the next?" The fellow having uncovered it, it proved to be Saint Martin on horseback. "This knight, too," said Don Quixote at the first sight, "was one of the Christian adventurers, and I am apt to think he was more liberal than valiant; and thou mayst perceive it, Sancho, by his dividing his cloak with a poor man, he gave him half, and doubtless it was winter time, or else he would have given it him whole he was so charitable. Not so, neither, I fancy, quoth Sancho, but I guess he stuck to the proverb, to give and keep what is fit requires a share of wit. Don Quixote smiled and desired the men to shew him the next image, which appeared to be that of the patron of Spain on horseback with his sword bloody, trampling down moors and treading over heads. I, this is a knight indeed cried Don Quixote when he saw it. He is called Don St. Yago Matamoros or Don St. James the More Killer and may be reckoned one of the most valorous saints and professors of chivalry that the earth then enjoyed and heaven now possesses. Then they uncovered another piece which shoots St. Paul falling from his horse with all the circumstances usually expressed in the story of his conversion and represented so to the life that he looked as if he had been answering the voice that spoke to him from heaven. This, said Don Quixote, was the greatest enemy the church militant had once, and proved afterwards the greatest defender it will ever have in his life, a true knight-errant, and in death a steadfast saint, an indefatigable laborer in the vineyard of the Lord, a teacher of the Gentiles, who had heaven for his school, and Christ himself for his master and instructor. Then Don Quixote, perceiving there were no more images, desired the men to cover those he had seen. And now, my good friends, said he to them, I cannot but esteem the sight that I have had of these images as a happy omen, for these saints and knights were of the same profession that I follow, which is that of arms. The difference only lies in this point, that they were saints and fought according to the rules of holy discipline. And I am a sinner, and fight after the manner of men. All this while the men wondered at Don Quixote's figure as well as his discourse, but could not understand one half of what he meant. So that, after they had made an end of their dinner, they got up their images, took their leave of Don Quixote, and continued their journey. Sancho remained full of admiration as if he had never known his master. He wondered how he should come to know all these things, and fancied there was not that history or adventure in the world, but he had it at his fingers' ends. Truly, master of mine, quoth he, if what has happened to us today may be called an adventure, it is one of the sweetest and most pleasant we ever met within all our rambles, for we are come off without a basting or the least bodily fear. We have not so much as laid our hands upon our weapons, but here we be safe and sound, neither dry nor hungry. Heaven be praised that I have seen all this with my own eyes. Thou sayest well, Sancho, said Don Quixote, but I must tell thee that seasons and times are not always the same, but often take a different course, and what the vulgar call forebodings and omens, for which there are no rational grounds in nature, ought only to be esteemed happy encounters by the wise. One of these superstitious fools, going out of his house betimes in the morning, meets a friar of the blessed order of St. Francis and starts as if he had met a griffin, turns back and runs home again. Another wiseacre happens to throw down the salt on the tablecloth and thereupon is sadly cast down himself as if nature were obliged to give tokens of ensuing disasters by such slight and inconsiderable accidents as these. A wise and truly religious man ought never to pry into the secrets of heaven. Scipio, landing in Africa, stumbled and fell down as he leaped to shore. Presently his soldiers took this for an ill omen, but he, embracing the earth, cried, I have thee fast. Africa, thou shalt not escape me. Thus discoursing, they got into a wood quite out of the road, and on a sudden Don Quixote, before he knew where he was, found himself entangled in some nets of green thread that were spread across among the trees. Not being able to imagine what it was, certainly, Sancho, cried he, this adventure of the nets must be one of the most unaccountable that can be imagined. Let me die, now, if this be not a stratagem of the evil-minded necromancers that haunt me to stop my way. With that the knight put briskly forwards, resolving to break through, but in the very moment there sprung from behind the tree's two most beautiful shepherdesses, at least they appeared to be so by their habits, only with this difference, that they were richly dressed in gold brocade. Their flowing hair hung down about their shoulders in curls as charming as the sun's golden rays and circled on their brows with garlands of green baize and red flower gentle interwoven. As for their age, it seemed not less than fifteen nor more than eighteen years. This unexpected vision dazzled and amazed Sancho and surprised Don Quixote till at last one of the shepherdesses opening her coral lips hold Sir, she cried, pray do not tear those nets which we have spread here, not to offend you, but to divert ourselves. And because it is likely you will inquire why they are spread here, and who we are, I shall tell you in few words. About two leagues from this place lies a village, where there are many people of quality and good estates. Among these several have made up a company to come and take their diversion in this place, which is one of the most delightful in these parts. To this purpose, we designed to set up a new Arcadia. The young men have put on the habit of shepherds and ladies the dress of shepherdesses. We have got two eclogues by heart, one out of the famous Garcilaso and the other out of Camoens, the most excellent Portuguese poet, though we have not yet repeated them For yesterday was but the first day of our coming hither. We have pitched some tents among the trees, near the banks of a large brook that waters all these meadows. And last night we spread these nets to catch such simple birds as our calls should allure into the snare. Now, sir, if you please to afford us your company, you shall be made very welcome and handsomely entertained for we are all disposed to pass the time agreeably. Truly, fair lady, answered Don Quixote, I applaud the design of your entertainment and return you thanks for your obliging offers, assuring you that if it lies in my power to serve you, you may depend on my obedience to your commands, for my profession is the very reverse of ingratitude and aims at doing good to all persons, especially those of your merit and condition, so that were these nets spread over the surface of the whole earth, I would seek out a passage throughout new worlds. Rather than I would break the smallest thread that conduces to your pastime, and that you may give some credit to this seeming exaggeration, know that he who makes this promise is no less than Don Quixote de la Mancha if ever such a name has reached your ears. Oh, my dear, cried the other shepherdess, what good fortune is this? You see this gentleman before us, I must tell you he is the most valiant, the most loving, and the most complacent person in the world if the history of his exploits, already in print, does not deceive us. I have read it, and I hold a wager. That honest fellow there by him is one Sancho Panza, his squire, the most comical creature that ever was. You have hit it, quoth Sancho. I am that very squire you would have, and there is my lord and master, the aforesaid Don Quixote de La Mancha. Oh, pray, my dear, said the other, let us entreat him to stay. Our father and our brothers will be mighty glad of it. I have heard of his valor and his merit as much as you now tell me, and what is more, they say he is the most constant and faithful lover in the world, and that his mistress, whom they call Dulcinea del Toboso, bears the prize from all the beauties in Spain. It is not without justice, said Don Quixote, if your peerless charms do not dispute with her that glory. But, ladies, I beseech you do not endeavor to detain me, for the indispensable duties of my profession will not suffer me to rest in one place. At the same time came the brother of one of the shepherdesses, clad like a shepherd, but in a dress as splendid and gay as those of the young ladies. They told him that the gentleman whom he saw with them was the valorous Don Quixote de la Mancha, and that other Sancho Panza, his squire, of whom he had read the history. The gallant shepherd, having saluted him, begged of him so earnestly to grant them his company to their tents that Don Quixote was forced to comply and go with them. About the same time the nets were drawn and filled with divers little birds who, being deceived by the color of the snare, fell into the danger they would have avoided. Above thirty persons, All gaily dressed like shepherds and shepherdesses, got together there, and being informed who Don Quixote and his squire were, they were not a little pleased, for they were already no strangers to his history. In short, they carried them to their tents, where they found a sumptuous entertainment ready. They obliged the knight to take the place of honor, and while they sat at table, there was not one that did not gaze on him, and wonder at so strange a figure. At last, the cloth being removed, Don Quixote with a great deal of gravity lifting up his voice, of all the sins that men commit, said he, none, in my opinion, is so great as ingratitude, though some think pride a greater, and I ground my assertion on this, that hell is said to be full of the ungrateful. Ever since I had the use of reason, I have employed my utmost endeavors to avoid this crime, and if I am not able to repay the benefits I receive in their kind, at least I am not wanting in real intentions of making suitable returns, and if that be not sufficient, I make my acknowledgments as public as I can, for he that proclaims the Kindnesses he has received, shows his disposition to repay them if he could. And those that receive are generally inferior to those that give. The Supreme Being, that is infinitely above all things, bestows His blessings on us so much beyond the capacity of all other benefactors that all the acknowledgments we can make can never hold proportion with His goodness. However, a thankful mind in some measure supplies its one of power with hearty desires and unfeigned expressions of a sense of gratitude and respect. I am in this condition as to the civilities I have been treated with here, for I am unable to make an acknowledgement equal to the kindnesses I have received. I shall, therefore, only offer you what is within the narrow limits of my own abilities, which is to maintain, for two whole days together, in the middle of the road that leads to Saragossa, that these ladies here, disguised in the habits of shepherdesses, are the fairest and most courteous damsels in the world, excepting only the peerless Dulcinea del Toboso, sole mistress of my thoughts, without offence to all that hear me, be it spoken. Here Sancho, who had all the while given ear to his master's compliment, thought fit to put in a word or two. Now, in the name of wonder, quoth he, can there be any body in the world so impudent as to say that this master of mine is a madman? Pray, tell me, ye gentlemen shepherds, did you ever know any of your country persons, though never so wise, or so good scholars, that could deliver themselves so finely? Or is there any of your knights errant, though never so feigned for prowess, that can make such an offer as he has here done? Don Quixote turned towards Sancho, and, beholding him with eyes full of fiery indignation, can there be any body in the world, cried he, that can say thou art not an incorrigible blockhead, Sancho, a compound of folly and knavery, wherein nullice also is no small ingredient? Who bids thee meddle with my concerns, or busy thyself with my folly or discretion? Make no reply. But go and saddle Rosinante, if he is unsaddled, that I may immediately perform what I have offered, for in so noble and so just a cause, thou mayest reckon all those who shall presume to oppose me subdued and overthrown. This said, up he started, with marks of anger in his looks, to the amazement of all the company who were at a loss whether they should esteem him a madman or a man of sense. They endeavored to prevail with him, however, to lay aside his challenge, telling him they were sufficiently assured of his grateful nature without exposing him to the danger of such demonstrations and as for his valor, they were so well informed by the history of his numerous achievements that there was no need of any new instance to convince them of it. But all these representations could not dissuade him from his purpose and therefore, Having mounted Rosinante, braced his shield and grasped his lance, he went and posted himself in the middle of the highway, not far from the verdant meadow, followed by Sancho on his dapple, and all the pastoral society who were desirous to see the event of that unaccountable defiance. And now the champion, having taken his ground, made the neighboring air ring with the following challenge. O ye, whoever you are, knights. Squires, on foot or on horseback, that now pass, or shall pass this road within these two days, know that Don Quixote de la Mancha, knight errant, stays here to assert and maintain that the nymphs who inhabit these groves and meadows surpass, in beauty and courteous disposition, all those in the universe, setting aside the sovereign of my soul, the Lady Dulcinea del Toboso and he that dares uphold the contrary let him appear. Twice he repeated these words, and twice they were repeated in vain. But Fortune, that had a strange hand at managing his concerns, now shewed him a merry sight, for by and by he discovered on the road a great number of people on horseback, many of them with lances in their hands, all trooping together very fast. The company that watched Don Quixote's motions no sooner spied such a squadron driving the dust before them than they got out of harm's way, not judging it safe to be so near danger, and as for Sancho, he sheltered himself behind Rosinante's crupper. Only Don Quixote stood fixed with an undaunted courage. When the horsemen came near, one of the foremost, bawling to the champion, Ho! Ho! Cried he, get out of the way or these bulls will tread thee to pieces. Go to, you scoundrels, answered Don Quixote, none of your bulls are anything to me, though the fiercest that ever were fed on the banks of Sarama. Acknowledge, all in a body, what I have proclaimed here to be truth, or else stand combat with me. But the herdsman had not time to answer, neither had Don Quixote any to get out of the way, if he had been inclined to it, for the herd of wild bulls were presently upon him and a huge company of drivers and people that were going to a town where they were to be baited the next day. So, bearing all down before them, knight and squire, horse and man, they trampled them underfoot at an unmerciful rate. There lay Sancho mauled, Don Quixote stunned, Dapple bruised, and Rocinante in very indifferent circumstances. But for all this, after the whole route of men and beasts were gone by, up started Don Quixote, ere he was thoroughly come to himself, and staggering and stumbling, falling and getting up again, as fast as he could, he began to run after them. Stop, scoundrels, stop, cried he aloud, stay, it is a single knight defies you all, one who scorns the humor of making a golden bridge for a flying enemy. But the hasty travelers did not stop, nor slacken their speed, for all his loud defiance, and minded it no more than the last year's snow. At last, weariness stopped Don Quixote, so that, with all his anger and no prospect of revenge, he was forced to sit down on the road till Sancho came up to him with Rosinante and Dapple. Then the master and man made a shift to remount, and... With more shame than satisfaction, hastened their journey without taking leave of their friends of the new Arcadia.